All right, so people were watching HBO, and Fraggle Rock came on this year. So guess guess what year it is that we're talking about. Fraggle Rock, first appearance, HBO. You guessed it. <laughs> 1983. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. Going back in time. And this was also the year that people uh, finally got uh, to use a mouse when they were using their computers. Oh, shoot. We you were know, just talking about that before the podcast started. <laughs> that's right, because the uh, number one um, billionaire uh, who really made his bones during this time was uh, Bill Gates. And mm-hmm. Bill Gates, he, he took a walking tour through a Xerox um, you know, a research and development plant. And he was like, hmm, interesting, Xerox. You guys have this thing. You don't know what to do with it. A mouse? Hmm. hmm. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, this is a trash idea. And he was like, yeah, trash idea. And then pulled out his little notebook and took notes oh and uh, took that idea to Microsoft and revolutionized computers. That's crazy. Yeah. And I bet they're kicking themselves for throwing that idea away. It's weird that he's like got that vibe of like, uh, like I cut my own hair. I don't even spend my money. But he's like, so he was like such a shark in his heyday. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy to think of him like. Well, that. Uh, I think there's no there's no fortune that hasn't been built on a, a pile of corpses. Yeah, that's yes, <laughs> that's definitely true. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So I was just uh, just meditating on this year because we're talking about a movie that came out around this time, and one of my favorite uh, shows because I was alive. Uh, during this was I was watching mm-hmm. A Team. Oh, A Team, yeah, with uh, uh, Mr. T. Yeah, and also A Team's pretty revolutionary because it, it's the story of four <laughs> Vietnam vets who are living as outlaws in the United States. Oh wow! And uh, they're mercenaries for hire. I did not know this. The, so, uh, yeah, yeah. The early '80s were big on vehicular combat, uh, long-running uh, show episodic shows. We had uh, Airwolf, Knight Rider. Um, the A Team, and um, what was that other one with the, the guy in the uh, bike? Wow, yeah, I remember the bike one. Yeah, but uh, sure, his bike had like a little Dukes laser. of Hazard. Dukes of Hazard is not the bike. One. <laughs> That's not the bike one, but that was also out at that point. Eighties? I thought that was seventies. No, it looks it, late seventies, early eighties. Everyone had the same haircut and same yeah. jeans. Yeah, the mullets were big. Yeah, when we think about peak 80s, uh, you know, I don't think it actually starts being the 80s until about 85, 86, Agreed. aesthetically. Mm-hmm. When you watch the movies and you think about glam bands and hair metal and all of that, that's... Yeah, totally. That feel, or uh, uh, like aerobics and all that nonsense. Jazzercise. Yeah. Sure. What, what's the um, Olivia <laughs> Newton-John, uh, physical? Let's get physical. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's, but that's big. It's a big trendy, yeah. So, but uh, but the 80s, you know, one of the big hallmarks of the 80s is that uh, Ronald Reagan came into office and that was like a giant sea change for mm-hmm. how, uh, you know, people were looking at the world and politics. Like Jimmy Carter, he had uh, solar panels on the on the roof of the uh, White House uh-huh. and he, he wore sweaters indoors because he didn't want to waste energy. Uh, and looked, <laughs> I and did he, not know that. He looked super cash. Uh-huh. And then there was a... OPEC had this uh, gas crisis. OPEC was like all of these countries around the world that also produce oil. Mm -hmm. They were like, nah, we're going to raise the prices and uh, cut the U.S. out. And so that like created this huge scare. There were lines around, you know, blocks to get gas. Mm -hmm. And Carter came on, uh, you know, and did an address where he said, "Uh, we should ride bikes more often. Oh, Jesus so he came off as kind of a, <laughs> a, a Dutchman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, I was like yeah. the president of Amsterdam. Yeah. His style was uh, cuckish. Yeah. And um, so, you know, that's that. So Reagan came in and was just like, hey, man, brand new day for America. We're going to make it great. Uh-huh. Not great again, yeah. but great. Uh-huh. So, and someone uh, cribbed his slogan in the same way that uh, our boy Bill Gates stole the mouse from Xerox. That's true. I was actually watching something that Clinton also used great again. At one point in his campaign, I forget which campaign it was, but it, he was using "Make America Great Again," which is really strange. Interesting. But they all want to dumb down the uh, the predecessors <laughs> to make themselves look good. Yeah, yeah. This guy yeah. fucked it up. Yeah, I'm gonna make it good again. Yeah, uh, and and so uh, people were were bumping Phil Collins in '83. 
bump in th- yeah well he, he, it bumps in the film we we're gonna discuss yeah one of the best sex scenes in film history <laughs> oh hell yeah oh by the way um you know <laughs> if, if you're listening you know who i am already this is gabe pacheco coming at you hell yeah on another Album episode available now <laughs> well, welcome back to eat pray judge <laughs> instead of three dudes rambling about ronald reagan <laughs> solar power yeah and uh as always you know my co-host sammy hamarne uh-huh and we've got a, a special guest on third mic today from one of my favorite podcasts let's talk about sets uh such an interesting wonderful podcast about the science of stand-up comedy we've got um harrison tweed hey guys how you doing yeah well welcome to uh to the pod harrison and we uh we brought you on today to talk about a movie that you chose for us yes yeah and this movie is a risky Business, risky business. That's one of uh, my favorites. Starring, uh, starring Tom Cruise, or as uh, my fiance likes to call him, Middle Tooth. <laughs> middle Tooth, <laughs> yeah, because his front tooth is dead center. <laughs> yeah, she said that yesterday when we had this on, and she goes, "Oh, look, it's Middle Tooth." I was like, "What?" <laughs> That's uh, really what? funny. I didn't notice that till a few years ago. Now I can't stop saying it. I, don't I think know. I've never noticed that. Sm- uh, watch next time you see Tom Cruise smile. Okay. He's got a be- beautiful set of chompers, but they're a little bit off center. Yeah, it's very so, interesting. So he had he had Invisalign, or he had the, he had the adult brace thing. I remember he was. Uh... Well, if you see him in The Outsiders, he had fucked up teeth. I yeah. Mean, he had like a snaggle tooth, and then essentially he got his teeth fixed because they're like, "You're so handsome. You should be you should be handsomer than this." And then. They adjusted, and I guess not everything <laughs> didn't account for, yeah, just being a little bit off center. But I do remember his snaggle teeth in, in The Outsiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a fucking all-star cast of people that yep. don't speak in that in that movie. <laughs> There's like all the best actors don't say anything, and then like the worst ones say the most lines. Yeah, sure. the, that this this the era of movies though, like, um, is so great. Like mm-hmm. the early '80s, uh, we. Um, uh, let's see, around this time, uh, what, Vacation came out the same year. National oh, yeah. Lampoon's Chase. Vacation. Yeah. yeah. Which Changed I... Changed comedy. Ch- transformed it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, was, it was a quantum shift. Uh-huh. Comedy has never been the same since. And yeah. you can't watch comedy before Vacation and even recognize it as humor. Yeah. And I feel like that was um, a time... I feel... This, I might be speaking without any knowledge. It seems like <laughs> the 80s was the time, and they weren't doing it all the time, where it was like... Let's make comedies where we cast comedians, whereas a lot of comedies, it felt like before that, were like, it will be comedy writers, besides like Mel Brooks. Like, there'd be a lot of comedies where I was like, all the actors in this are not funny people. But then it seemed like they were taking like SNL guys, stand-ups, and then they started being like, we'll put them in these castings because they have better comedic chops and timing. They just wanted to make comedy great again, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Might as well, yeah. Yeah, Chevy Chase made comedy great. Yeah, for, Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for himself and some 80, other people. 82, uh, 83, um, Eddie was on SNL. Mm-hmm. SNL. He yeah. saved SNL at that time. Oh, he was rocking bright red leather jumpsuits. Yeah, and murdering. <laughs> he made comedy sexy again. Yeah. Yeah, comedy was never sexy before Eddie. It was schlubby. I talk to people about this all the time. I'm like, he was the first sexy guy in comedy. Or I guess they were sexy guys, but they weren't doing comedy in a sexy way. Right, right. Well, like, maybe, I don't know, like Dean Martin maybe was classy. He was super handsome. But he he definitely had like a whiskey sweat smell to him mm-hmm. all the time. No, I didn't remember if he was the, was the one that installed the rock star vibe into the, into the world of stand-up comedy. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and Dean Martin also kind of played a straight guy to like the much funnier Jerry Lewis. Or uh, maybe not <laughs> even much fun, just like the goof. So it was kind of like he could just be like, yeah. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm like you guys in the audience, and this guy's weird, isn't he? Yeah, you couldn't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. I feel like Dean Martin was funnier than Jerry Lewis. You think so? I think so, yeah. He was self-deprecating and dry. Jerry Lewis kind of made fun of people with disabilities a bunch. <laughs> 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 he's a, he's a little bit so overrated. Yeah. I guess he, yeah, I don't know him as much now. Did he, was that punching down, or was that punching laterally for Jerry Lewis? Yeah, that's a good He's kind of <laughs> punching himself in the nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Historically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. And uh, it's it's uh, okay. Let's see what what some other fun things that happened. Oh wow, you know, nineteen eighty three was not a good year economically. There was uh, twelve million unemployed Americans, mm. which was the highest the unemployment rate had been since nineteen forty one. Yeah, since the Great Depression, right? Yeah, so we'd had like a dip. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd had Reagan came in and he made everybody feel good, and then there was not, there was a dip, probably some sort of like economic crash, financial crash, mm-hmm. a la two thousand eight. 
mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. this time. Yeah. This is where we started to see the uh, the beginnings of total corporate control when it comes to the, the media. I think in, in 83, 90% of U.S. media was controlled by 50 different companies. Oh, wow. So to today, 90% of media is controlled by six separate companies. Yeah. So free press my ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and you can see that everywhere. Like the consult. Yeah. If uh, I remember watching wrestling before WWE was WWF back mm-hmm. in the day, but then around that time. Uh, I'd go to this newspaper, this store that exclusively sold newspapers in D.C., right by the uh, Royal Palace Strip Club. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, I forgot the name of the – it was – I don't know what it was called. But... The World Wildlife Fund? <laughs> it, uh. it, it was uh, – but it was in DuPont Circle, and it was this magazine store, and they had all these – a whole rack devoted to all of the other wrestling um, – regional circuits oh that my, people I know exactly what you're talking uh, about and so you, you'd see all these like wrestlers i was like this isn't hulk hogan who is this guy in a, in a <laughs> steel cage with blood streaming down his face and the thing was is that um you know before media was consolidated that's what vince mcmahon consolidated all of wrestling under one mm-hmm. umbrella but before that there were all of these different um interesting unique regional wrestling scenes cool and uh in the same way media like that's just a reflection of all media uh-huh. has been has been homogenized yeah into into four companies now it's kind of like the NBA when they took over the ABA yes yeah yeah <laughs> was that around the time we're talking also uh we're when... just I, I think this is the beginning <laughs> so, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the beginning of a deregulation which led to like massive monopolies yeah. everywhere that was a Reagan a Reaganomics move yeah, yeah he loved it he was so uh, – so what else? Did, oh. Sally Ride, the uh, first female astronaut to go into space. Fuck um, yeah, dude. Yeah. She uh, – reporters back then, the uh, misogynist reporters asked her questions like, do you cry when things go wrong on the job? <laughs> uh, will the flight affect your reproductive organs? <laughs> so she was fielding the stupidest so tough funny. questions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Do you can, care- bear smell your pe- can bear smell your period? <laughs> Yeah, two tears float in space. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my tears got into the control panel. I can't. <laughs> How does your husband think about you going into space? Oh, when my you God. Set the table That's nice for that he's the letting you do this. Do the napkins, do they float away? Or how do you... <laughs> You're cooking supper for everyone. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ. We are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a showcase of male idiocy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think if I was a yuppie in, uh, in 1983, I would be... Um, I'd be trying to uh, score with uh, Carrie Fisher or uh, Goldie oh, Hawn or Daryl Hannah. Farrah Fawcett. Heather Locklear. Yeah. <laughs> the birth of Madonna, too, right? Madonna's popping she was starting. Up. She was starting to come up yeah. big yeah. Right, right around then. Prince as well. Jay- A lot oh, of really influential coolest. artists were coming up Yeah, I think big. 1999 came out, 83. Maybe at 82. Smart. I know DMSR, which is one of my favorite Prince songs, is on Risky Business. It is. Yeah, it's yeah. in the brothel scene. And initially, he wasn't credited with that. Because really? It wasn't big. Yeah, and then they had to give him a a, a, a reach like, around credit. <laughs> hey man, I'm coming out with Purple Rain soon, so you might want to give me some money. David Bowie, Let's Dance was out. Beat yeah. It by Michael Jackson. Yeah, fucking. Billy so Jean by Michael Jackson. Yeah, he had just done Thriller. the Walk. Yeah, I fucking yeah. That's my. Those are my two favorite artists. Unfortunately, it's so much hard good. to listen to one of them in <laughs> like on, in public <laughs> right now. So much good stuff. But, uh, but you know what, man? In the privacy of your own home, you do you, fam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eat, Pray, Jazz is incredibly permissive around what media you want to consume yeah, yeah. between your ears. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, And this is a judgment-free zone. Yeah. Also, we're talking about risky business. Yeah. And Tom Cruise, <laughs> he doesn't have a great track record. Yeah. <laughs> Gabe and I read a lot of choose-your-own-adventure books as kids. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Risky business, ladies and gentlemen. Let's, let's dive. Let's talk. Let's talk about it, or as I like to call this movie, the anti pretty woman. Mm-hmm. Yes, or maybe the graduate for uh, nineteen the nineteen eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because my relationship to this film is uh, that I uh, I thought this movie was going to be I missed it. This is the first time I've ever seen it was for this podcast. So thank you, really. Harrison. That is yeah. surprising. Yeah. 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 Probably, I'm genuinely the iconic scenes. You know, like where it's like uh, the, the, the you ready for me. Uh, uh, Al, is that what he pretends his nickname is? Uh, Joel's original nickname. He says his name is Ralph. Ralph, yeah. you ready yeah. for me, Ralph? Yeah, that's oh the, with the wind. God. 
here's what here's why I thought that this movie was gonna suck mm-hmm. uh, was and why I guess why I was turned off is you know there's like all those montages of like great film mm-hmm. and in those montages you see like a uh, you see uh, in Casablanca like frankly my dear or like, I don't give a damn that, uh, that type of thing from like uh, Gone with the Wind he mm-hmm. says frankly my dear I don't give a damn or like you see uh, here's looking at you kid or yeah. then you you see the scene where just where Tom Cruise sort of slides out, <laughs> dances slides in his underwear, and starts like mongoosing around the living room in his underwear, and yeah. I was like, I don't need to see that. Mm. Like that, I thought yeah. it was, I thought it was going to be a very like uh, kid friendly. While the cat's away, yeah, the mouse Home will Alone play. for teenage boys, exactly. Yeah, yeah that or and then I just I'd seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I thought, oh, this is going to be like a precursor to that. Yeah. This will be like a less it's much good. darker than Ferris. Yeah, so so that so I I had no idea. Um, how good this movie was gonna be because yeah. it's much less American Pie. Mm-hmm. Oh and, no, totally not. And, and much more. Uh, <laughs> I'm a teenage pimp in a hyper capitalist satire yeah. about the you know Midwestern affluent mm-hmm. life. Yeah, it's, it's like, like if no, 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 no. It was just like sh- sh- Chicago suburbs. It's yeah. like it very much. Um, it unapologetically. Yeah, it is a satire about capitalist. Yeah, you're you're right. I, I didn't even think about that. That's so funny. Yeah, um, it's it's true. Yeah. Well, why? What, so why did you pick this movie? What was your reason for? Well, I always loved this movie. Um, when I first saw it, I think I was like twelve or thirteen, and it was like my mom would have these. This was back when Blockbuster existed. Um, my mom would have these like flare ups of like, you know what? That was a classic movie. I I should watch that with my son. And so, and then she'd be like, "Yeah, let's run Risky Business tonight." So we ran a Risky Business. Were you raised by a single mom, by mm-hmm. the way? Yeah, yeah. I was okay, by a great. Were you? No. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. But it was just. Um, I don't come from a broken home. You do come from. A no, broken... I come from a, a complete home. Complete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is taped together, or it just never broke at all. Uh, crazy glued. Crazy glued. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's home is a little fun. Yeah. No, they're all twisted. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just hard to tell a human what to do, and that's why parenting <laughs> seems like it's insane. But mine was like paper mache. <laughs> <laughs> paper mache out. That's so funny. It's yeah. like a from pa- like a fifth, fifth five year old art class. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is a piñata, and it's like, it's, but it's not decorated. <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. the mache molding. Totally. Cool. Um, so your mom uh, rented this for you awkwardly, and you were 12. Yeah, and I remember, like, um, you know, I was younger than Tom Cruise's in, or his character is supposed to be. I think Tom Cruise might actually, when they filmed it, is the age of the character he's playing. Like, he's an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old. I think he was 20 playing 17, 18, something like that. Yeah, yeah. which is pretty, I mean, at that time, a lot of times it would be, like, a 30-year-old playing an 18-year-old. Like, some of his friends were all 28 and older totally yeah uh can i stop you for one moment when you talk about tom cruise playing this i think he's like 21 and he's playing 18 Mm -hmm. or 17 but uh they i i thank god for amazon there's trivia and they post it during the movie on amazon prime yeah Yeah, and it said that he um to get that look Mm -hmm. he worked out seven days a week so he lost 10 pounds and then immediately after he lost that 10 pounds he just started eating junk food (laughs) so he put on this layer of fat in that like replicated like the look of baby fat really yeah so if you ever want to like traumatize your body uh-huh just that's <laughs> crazy work out really hard to get cut and then eat nothing but milkshakes that's really fu- you know what i actually i've always felt like you know when you see like a continuity error but it's not it's slight enough that like i don't think i i think it's just that i'm just saying this a bunch there's a part at the very end when he filmed when they're um he's raking the leaves and his dad is like you got into Stanford, I think it's Stanford. Princeton. Yeah. Princeton. Yeah. You got into Princeton. Um, uh, he he like looks more trim in that scene, but he looks like kind of like a, like a young boy with baby fat for the yeah. rest of the movie. And I always thought I was like, why did when did they film this part? Yeah, but I think that's maybe the first scene they filmed. Maybe sure. I've, I've noticed the end scenes for films are always the first ones they film when they begin filming. I think you're right. Start at the end and work yeah. backwards. Yeah, yeah. So this film um, was, a, you know, let's say the most unique take I've seen on a, on a coming of age movie mm-hmm. with with dark dark undertones. It's like if you gave uh, Abel Ferrara or <laughs> Brian De Palma the keys to a John Hughes film and had them rewrite the script entirely, yeah, uh, and just yeah. not change the setting. 
Yeah, yeah this, this is what you'd get. A total palate cleanse. Like, I think this would be lumped together with movies like 16 Candles or The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. But In a way. it is like night and day different. Yeah. It's oh, a so total different. palate cleanser for that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, those movies are like, eat some ice cream. And this movie's like, have a salty pickle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> well, I always, I always um, identified with the. I identified, it's funny, I identified with the character at the beginning of the movie. Um, with Joel's character when I watched it because I was like, I was just super shy kid, just like really. um, And then I also identified as an adult later with that switch, not with like, I want to run a brothel right now, but like I identified with that switch of like, sometimes it just like takes one person like instilling confidence in you to be like a grown ass man to like kind of be uh what because what? there's a switch because at the beginning he's like I don't know like they're talking about like him not like uh like having sex with a girl that wanted him to have sex with her Kessler yeah Kessler yeah 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 um and uh it's yeah so uh, let's like Joel this guy Joel mm-hmm. who we see at the beginning of the film he is um he is such a repressed um uh, Norman Bates yes. Type. Take, totally. He's a nice guy, mm-hmm. but that nice guy is the is the veneer. It's the facade of like never having done anything yet. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like yes, he's very polite to his mom and dad. Like yeah. I, I, he might even call them like sir and ma'am. Yeah, he know? shakes his dad's hand. You know, his uh, name is literally in the film Joel Goodson, right? Oh, yeah, right. His last name. That's fucking great. <laughs> yeah, on the nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun. I love that little montage where you kind of get a. Uh, it, it doesn't do. And there's no more scenes like this. I don't think for the rest of the movie. There's that montage where it's like his dad being like, Joel, could you see that? Come watch, look at the stereo with me. And mm-hmm. then he shows him that the bass is all the way up. Do you hear a strange preponderance of bass? Yes, yes. I wrote down that if I was ever to start an EDM band, that would be the title of my first album. <laughs> the strange, a, yeah. a strange preponderance of bass, perhaps. Oh, also <laughs> wah, 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 wah. fantastic score. I love, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Tangerine. Orange. Tangerine. Dream. Yep. Tangerine dream. Music is awesome. Yeah. Super good music. Um, Good, they score it well, and then the soundtrack music is also great, like Bob Seger and, and Prince, as we talked about before. Yeah. And then um, Phil Collins just coming in with the drums uh, on the I Want to Make Love on a Real Train scene. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite sex scenes, just because I think it's, I don't know why, it's like beautifully shot, and mm-hmm. uh, I like how it's it's got these like little comedic dips. Like, it's kind of, like, sexy, and then there's, like, the weird homeless guy just eating chips, yeah. like, watching them. Yeah. And then, like, carrying the... And I always wonder, every time I see that scene where he carries the, the homeless guy and puts him on the bench, I'm always like, dude, you don't have that much time before the doors close. Right. Like, I always think the doors are going to close and he's just going to be left. And but. this this houseless man, this man with no... <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I mean, in New York City, there's a lot of people like that on the subway, and never, ever am I trying to touch them. Yeah, yeah. Especially if I'm trying to put my up hands their butt. on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you weren't raised in the Midwest, Gabe. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, find like you need gloves, especially mm-hmm. if you're gonna go back to groping uh, Rebecca <laughs> De Mornay's body. Yeah. Immediately after that, she's gonna let you do that. Get I out know, of here. Yeah. She's like, that's please how, wash your fucking hands. Get yeah. some Purell. That's how scabies gets passed around. Oh God. <laughs> I consider myself fairly a fairly compassionate person, but never ever would I ever even consider mm-hmm. uh, bear hugging a homeless man and moving his his body somewhere. <laughs> so gross. Yeah, she's amazing in that movie too. So gorgeous. She's, and her voice is cool. Demorne. Yeah, so hot. She has that cool like you don't know if it's like a New York. I don't know what accent it is. It's just like she has such a. Um, I think one thing that's cool about that casting is it's. There's a lot of movies where there's like a woman that has like a power over a man because of how attractive they are. But hers is also interesting because she almost sounds like more of a man than he does. Like he's kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, my parents are out of town. And she's like, she's like, you do, you do good in school, Joe? Like she sounds like kind of, I mean, um, she just sounds like an Italian dude that's yeah. like, you know, going to... Um, take away the innocence of a young boy and turn him into a mob boss. Her delivery reminds me a little, her voice sounds a little bit like Rosanna Arquette's voice. I love how you said delivery because you're a comedian. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, But she also, um, so I, I, I love this because, uh, it is an inverse in the relationship uh, with like pretty woman. Julia Roberts, pretty woman Mm -hmm. is sort of like, she's a daft 
uh, a daffy type of like um, mm-hmm. prostitute. Like yeah. it's miscasting that she's a prostitute, and that's why we fall for her. Yeah. In this, Rebecca De Mornay's Lana is uh, she is a shark. Yeah. She's an expert. She's more of a madam than the a prostitute. Yeah. I mean, like she seems like she's really got like a business savvy mind, and that's what. But she's cool independent and in control, mm-hmm. whereas like uh, the perception of in Pretty Woman is like, oh, this is a woman who has fallen into prostitution but isn't really good at it. Mm-hmm. And like Lana, like, you know, from the beginning, there's nothing that she's done that isn't calculated. Yeah. And she knows how to na- navigate John's. Yeah. She plays uh, Joel like a fiddle. You yeah. Know? Like, oh, well, you don't have you don't have the money. Well, that's a problem, Joel. Mm-hmm. Well, like, where are you going to find it, Joel? Yeah. Joel. Uh, all these kids have bonds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's uh, that's parents and grandparents that had faith in the country. That's <laughs> <All> great. <right. laughs> <laughs> it is funny. That's the one part where it's like I don't relate to the bonds thing, but like everything else, yeah. Yeah, um, but I uh, I love. Yeah, I think and she's can, not scared of anything. We can watch every scene with her, um, and it's a it's a it's a clinic in how to manipulate people and how to stand your ground in negotiations. Yeah, he's like, you need to leave, and she's like, just like lights up a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Because she never says no. She Mm -hmm. says, you really going to kick me out, Joel? And then, like, Vicky shows up and and, and he's like, you you both need to leave. And Vicky's like, he's telling us we need to leave. And she's like, Joel, is that what you're telling us? (laughs) Are you telling us we need to leave? Like, these rhetorical questions that automatically back him into the corner of saying, like, no. Mm -hmm. You know? I love that. Yeah. Tremendous, and she never went to the Young Enterprisers Club. One, one thing I've always wondered, um, and you guys watched it last night. Um, I watched it like a, a, about a few weeks ago. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I watched it a couple months ago to prep. <laughs> I've seen it so many times, though. But you know the scene where um, they're—it's uh, not they haven't started to, or she, he hasn't offended her quite yet when they're having ice cream and they got high and they're like on like kind of a boardwalky like thing overlooking the lake. Um, she grabs something from the car and then she takes off the parking brake and then it starts to slip. Is that on purpose? Do we think that's on purpose or is that because she also doesn't respond when he was like, Lana, the car, the okay. keys are in the car. There's a reason this movie is art. Yeah. And one of the reasons is that it is very ambiguous. Mm-hmm. You know, there isn't a, a clear cut message. I watched this movie and I can think of it as the entire time Lana and her pimp, mm-hmm. played by uh, Joey Pants. Free nose job. The two of them have been in cahoots the whole time. I think that from the oh. very first moment of this, it's been a long con hustle. Uh-huh. You know, where it's like, uh, okay, he's a rich kid. We're going to steal his egg. Then, like, we're going to pretend that we're having a fight so he feels like he's my yeah. hero. He gets to be the Captain save mm-hmm. Then we, <laughs> get, back, we get back to his place once we're back there. Because Lana um, is able to read him from the moment that she walks into the house. You're right. She's like, oh, this is a big house. This kid's rich. I could milk him for 300 I could milk him for 50 which is what he paid for. Yeah. I could milk him for 300 mm-hmm. I could milk him for, like... The week his parents are out of town for a week. Yeah. What can we get out of him? Mm-hmm. And so I see this as as he's been a he's been a um, a rube yeah. the whole time. Yeah, I've never thought of it like that. I've always <laughs> thought of it as more of like like the relationship between Lana and um, and her, and Guido the killer pimp. Is that uh, <laughs> he didn't kill anybody? I know, I know. But what's his name? Says that who's that actor? He's in Revenge of the Nerds. He's a booger. Fan. We'll just call him booger. Booger. That's what everyone calls him. Yeah, yeah. he's God, got a real name. God bless just him. Just gotta say what the fuck. Yeah. And as a side note, what there is no scene. If I was gonna play '80s Mad Libs, yeah. I'd say, all right, picture this: poker. <laughs> Kids are playing poker. Booger and Balky are sitting with Tom Cruise, and uh, and the police's every uh, every step you take is playing. Mm-hmm. That was like the perfect '80s scene. Yeah, that was. It's yeah. the three of them together with that soundtrack, mm-hmm. and they're drinking Tab. Yeah, are they drinking, drinking Tab? Yeah. My mom drinks Tab. They're smoking cigars, <laughs> and they're making like weird sex noises with their mouth. Like you do the. 
Uh-huh. Valky was thing. straight up chewing on his cigar. He looked at it and took it out of his mouth. It was mangled. He's oh, got, God. yeah, he has flecks of wet tobacco on his face oh, in that scene. So these kids are basically like the young Republican Party at this point. Like, they're very Reagan-era, white-privileged, white, white mm-hmm. angst. Like, they're, all they're worried about is sex and getting into getting into a good school and then well, there's obviously... Well, the diner scene where they're like, what do you want to do you make guys money. want to do with your money? Like, make money, make money, make money. It's like, I want to... Um, serve my fellow man. I want to help my fellow man, and they all kind of laugh because they're all like, "That's stupid." Yeah, because he was being facetious, and they they knew it. Um, Yeah, well, John F. Kennedy's already been assassinated. Uh, Lyndon B. Johnson and his Great Society have had to bow out in shame based Mm -hmm. on the Vietnam War. Jimmy Carter came in and tried to do some nice stuff, and uh, he was immediately shuttled out of office for wearing sweaters. <laughs> all, the, all, the, all the really Talking good ones get, get shot or shunned. Yeah. yeah so the, uh, this movie is a total commentary on like the lack of idealism and mm-hmm. optimism yeah. in, in the young. These are like Alex P. Keaton kids from Family Ties. 100%. And you're like, uh, you're right. You watch these dead eyed like teens, and you're like, man, they've already had any youthful exuberance like uh, crushed mm-hmm. that they're like all they care about is like I want to be a dentist when I grow up yeah. I'm going to be a dermatologist do you know how much money they make yeah. oh, money I feel like four out of five of those dudes moved to New York uh, were in and out of rehab for cocaine addiction are working on their third marriages in their early late 20s that's and, a really uh, good are probably yeah. directly <laughs> responsible for the crashes the stock market <laughs> crashes in 87 and 08 yeah <laughs> so thanks Balky and Booger yeah and uh Keith. and it also sons ma- of bitches. <laughs> I, I watch this and I think about Brett Easton Ellis novels and I think about uh, mm. like American Psycho because yeah. it is all – if you read the book, it's like all of the um, uh, sort of materialism from that time is in the book and yep. and it's like the, he's like a young version of uh, the American Psycho killer. Oh, uh, Tom Cruise's character. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Like, if he'd been born in New York, I think that that killer is like a New York born and bred mm-hmm. upper class dude. But we're now seeing this as the uh, white boys by the shore. That yeah. whole area of Chicago is like super duper affluent. It's like mm-hmm. Evanston and all those areas. Yeah. That was the original name for the film, by the way. It was, <laughs> was, was going to be white, uh, boys. white boys off the lake. <laughs> Oh really? Off the off the lake. I think that's what it was. Yeah, Wait, are they, you being they, they, they did. Yeah, absolutely. They didn't really? want to use it because they thought it sounded too much like a play. So yeah, they went with risky business. They could have also gone with a couple of other titles. All the wrong moves would have worked for this one. <laughs> yeah. Rookie mistakes, I think, would have been a good one. You know, it's funny. Super Smash Brothers. You know, um, <laughs> there's the trans prostitute that he calls that his friend Booger calls yeah. for him. I Joel, always thought that was Michael Clark Duncan when I was a kid. Joel, be a courageous man. Yeah. I love, I love Open that dialogue. The door. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. Another uh, sentient black prostitute in one of these early 80s mo- coming-of-age movies that just is like, the again, the oracle in the film. Like, she's like the, you know... Interesting. Yeah. She's a good person. Because there's a character like this in St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah. Oh, I've never also, seen St. Elmo's Fire, yeah. actually. The uh, the black prostitute full of wisdom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tropes, Tropes, baby. Tropes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, one of my favorite scenes is the, um, is the scene where he's uh, hustling all the potential clientele with the sunglasses at night. At and night. he's just walking and he's like filling up his tank and he... And it really, I have a friend that's like, and he doesn't do it as well as Tom Cruise. He actually does it way worse than the way Tom Cruise does it. I have a friend that's like in a pyramid scheme, and he's very. He's uh, very we like to call it multi-level marketing. A multi-level marketing scheme, <laughs> and uh, he uh, and the way he like speaks to everyone he interacts with and tries to sell them on the product, like no matter where he is, no matter where the person is, just like he could be just getting cereal, and there's just someone else getting cereal next to him. I felt like that was a good commentary on a capitalist mind gone, um, gone crazy for money, essentially. And, yeah, and that's ain't that just like he's just pr- like uh, prowling the streets looking for like teenage boys that need to get laid, and it's a good market. It looks like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. When, when push comes to shove, we all sell our souls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you wreck your dad's Porsche. Yeah, my dad's friend had a, had the exact same Porsche at the same time. And I thought he was the coolest dude ever. Mm. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure he wasn't. Yeah. No. no. Ultimately. Yeah. But. Ah, but that Porsche, though. That Porsche. Yeah. You brought up that was your favorite. One of your favorite scenes. My favorite scene is the um, the uh, the Porsche falling into the lake. Mm, yes, that's great. And uh, just the physicality 
and this goes like Tom Cruise has this physicality where he he his is, first stunt by the way <laughs> he's Jim Carrey without a sense of humor yeah is like and and you see that like he's just so extra mm-hmm. and they picked such a great actor to play the he's like Joel is so milk toast uh-huh. and like without a f- affect when he's with his parents mm-hmm. he's very nerdy he's very uh contained yeah. and bashful but then you see him when he dances alone and you're like oh this is the real yeah this is the this is what he's like default yeah 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 and then the physicality he has um you see it come out in that scene with the Porsche mm-hmm. and you said like Sam you said this first action sequence like, yeah, like this. Th- yeah, like him. Like, oh god. Yeah, like yeah. trying to keep that Porsche from going into the lake is amazing. And he's on all sides of the car. Like it's slowly <laughs> going down. He gets to the front and goes to the bike and tries the door. He's just like he like tries yeah. it in every single way he can. Yeah. And that great timing of like I don't even know how they filmed it. Like how it just stops. Yeah. And like perfectly without falling, and then just like the thank you, and then just. And it just crashes right. That was yeah. I love that, and I love that first scene when the, the next scene is them just opening the car door and the mechanics, yeah, and just like fish coming out of it and seaweed and yeah. shit. It was great. Yeah. Uh, who who hears the who hears the Ubo captain? Ubo captain. I love that line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a great edited, uh, acted, and filmed. It's an interestingly piece. shot. Yeah. as well I, I love that mom and dad POV scene when he's driving him to the airport and they're just talking on because that was what it was like to be that age you yeah. just get talked at with minimal feedback you know you're, you're like eh, this and you're angry and angsty and then they're just rattling off shit mm-hmm. for you to do also the the fantasies he has are so those are such great yeah, yeah. like anxiety dreams that yeah. they depict like the walking into the shower and then uh, in this fog, and then he's just like late for his ACT exam. Yeah, and so he's not doesn't have a future. They're shot like Nightmare on Elm Street dream oh, sequences. Right. They right. really are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sex, sex dream on Elm Street. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, what dream on Elm Street? <laughs> dream on Elm Street. The, uh, the relationship between sex and success, mm-hmm. the anxiety around it, is so much more like a horror movie yeah. than like a teen romp. Right. Because You're right. he's like. He thinks that if he has sex with someone he knows, mm-hmm. the police are going to show up and there's going to be a shootout. Yeah. He thinks that if he has sex with somebody he knows, get off the babysitter. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna. It will literally wreck his future. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like a, a sex hysteria that you would see later with like AIDS. Yeah. Well, more. It reminded me of Catholic repression, like religious repression, but there's no religious undertones in the movie. There's no like scene of him at church, but he has this like fear of sex like it will ruin his life in this way that I've only seen out of kids that went to like Catholic school and were told that if they jack off they're gonna like go to hell um yeah so it's interesting to see sex demonized in someone's psyche without any religious input well that's interesting you said Catholic because I would say it's almost like a puritanical Mm -hmm. um view of like sex and fun will ruin your material opportunities uh-huh. in this plane yeah yeah you know like you will not be a good businessman you will not have a family you will not like make it yeah yeah if you have sex because because it's more like you're having fun now mm-hmm. instead of being you're being a lazy grasshopper as yeah. opposed to being like the diligent hard-working aunt yeah that uh that builds his home and sex heart. is for the, the beatniks uh, basically also yeah a beast, very yeah. reagan-y theme too because he was the kind of one the, the one that brought Religion back into politics. Hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. Aside from the separation of church and state of Kennedy, Reagan was like, you know, well, the, go to the, church, wear a tie, wear a tie to school, go it, to church. It was know, the gospel. Yeah, the gospel of prosperity gospel. Yeah, the gospel of capitalism. You know, if you get, which is side note. Have you seen like the Instagram of uh, priests and their sh- or um, preachers in their sneakers? No. <laughs> it's a, oh, this Instagram feed that's like all of these, um, you know, mega church preachers. Yeah. And then it cuts to their shoes and like they're wearing Yeezys or whatever. And their <laughs> shoes are like 15 grand. Like the, such, uh, it's like wearing porches on your feet. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's a take on how that's, hypocritical it is. Yeah. But Jesus, Jesus, you guys want to delve into the final scene a little bit for, uh, for, for the audience? Oh, oh the scene it's because it's like a 20 the... minute. It's not the final. It's the final half part of the, the film, the oh, final like hour. Please, let's jump into it. Yeah. So, so basically what happens is Tom Cruise's parents go away out of town. He lives in a nice suburb of Chicago. His friends are all dipshit baby yuppies. Mm-hmm. And they want to, and they're all sex obsessed as most teenage boys are. Actually, 
Backwards Boys. Yeah. Oh, by the way, only one uh, teenage girl in the movie. Like he, all of his oh, peers right. are guys. It's a very homosocial uh, group of uh, yeah. uh, teens, right. which right. I think was not uncommon at that time. I feel like that probably was a very. I, I feel like at, but I don't know. It's weird because you watch any other teen movie from that time period, and it's like guys trying to have sex with the the girls in their school, mm-hmm. or you get some or point their of group. view. Oh, I see what you group. mean. Like, yeah. yeah, their group has no women in it. Yeah, really, other than Kessler. Yeah, Kessler. Yeah, and the, is Kessler the girl that's at the diner with them? Yeah. Oh, she yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, I never, I never even picked up on that. Yeah. But uh, but back to back to this point, Sammy's like bringing up it's so it's real. Like this, the the final party yeah. is like it's all just dudes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know. Oh well, and and prostitutes. And then one like yeah. kid that looks like he's like twelve. He was twelve. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure this is the party where HPV was created. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so he, you know he gets into hijinks. Lesson learned: never give a prostitute your home address. <laughs> kind of moves in, starts setting up shop. They get into some some hijinks. He destroys his father's forty thousand dollar car. Is now in a financial bind. Mm-hmm. They decide to link up as the true capitalists they are and uh, have basically a brothel while his parents yeah. are out of town in this nice suburb. And using teenage boys is the uh, the money. That's right. And he gets fifty. Bu- he gets fifty percent of each uh, the house, betting. House always yeah. wins. The man. house always wins. So you know that could be fifty bucks. Could be a hundred bucks. Yep. Could yeah. be two hundred bucks, depending on uh, services provided. I guess. Yeah, and, who knows and he, they do a good job, like uh, throughout the movie, showing him go from like the guy that needs the the pickup speech of like just say what the fuck um, to like he's literally the coolest guy at the party. He's like the guy pointing at people. Hey, you guys having a good time? Blah yeah. blah blah. blah. He's <laughs> kissing prostitutes he's on the, the mouth. One. Yeah, who are on their way to fuck someone? Yeah, well, on their way back from. Yeah. 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 Um, that's yeah, a he's... great scene too when they're opening the door and then he keeps about to close it and then more come in and then more come in. Which I think is also an homage to Revenge of the Nerds, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. Revenge of the Nerds came yeah. out in 84. Oh, okay. So, so Revenge of the Nerds is an homage to that. Yeah. Also, yeah, I think yeah. two characters are in both films. I think Booger and then I I think the guy, the, the best friend that looks kind of like a, a goose as a man. <laughs> no, Balky. Oh, Balky wasn't in that, but he, he could have been. Yeah. yeah. But he, uh, he should have been. Booger been. was for sure. Yeah. I remember. The most yeah. memorable. Yeah. And Booger was like 31 when this movie came was out. Was he really? Because <laughs> now he's like 65, and uh, Brad, uh, Tom Cruise is uh, 57, mm. 56. So he was like 10 years older than Tom Cruise. That's wild. Playing his good friend in this. Yeah. And Balky, uh, Bronson Pinchow looks mad old as well. It could just be his facial structure. But, like, you know, I'm watching Amber was looking at him, and she's like, he is old. What is this old man doing playing poker with those guys? <laughs> well, it's funny because we, we talk about Tom Cruise being super young, and I was like, I remember watching Footloose and being like, wait, so he's playing a high school, like, Kim Bacon's playing a high school student in, like, the mid-'80s, but in the late 70s, he was playing a college student in Animal House. <laughs> so it's like, dude, oh, this is right. like 34 years old in this. <laughs> it's right. crazy. Peter Meyer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He is 75. You yeah. know, just got to drink water. Yeah, just got to drink water. And Mary Kira says, um, uh, yeah, so, okay, so we're in this last scene, man, and mm-hmm. it's pretty cool, this party he's having, and then what happens? The stakes keep getting, uh, uh, uh this movie's like a roller coaster, yeah. where every time there's a success, there is an immediately, like, value getting taken away. Yeah. So, y- it's like gambling. Like, mm-hmm. he, he wins 50 bucks, but then, like, he owes a hundred. Yeah. So it's right. like, oh, he's just got to keep upping the stakes. That's and a good way to put it. He, it's, it's fantastic. The writing um, behind this is great. But he, uh, uh, then the Princeton advisor yeah. shows up That's to the party. Scene. Now, one, uh, we're so upset right now at these people who, white people who are paying, uh, bribing people, bribing coaches at colleges to, mm-hmm. to let their kids come in. Like the, like the, the mom from Full House. She's in trouble for this in the news. And we're seeing the privilege happen here. Yeah. Like early on. Yeah. This has always been going on. Mm-hmm. This this Princeton advisor is just gonna come to your house yeah. to give you a personal interview on a Friday night. Happened to Ricky from USC, Boys in the Hood. <laughs> oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's called it. grassroots recruiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> that was the first scene. Sorry. No, no. I, I had lo- to say it. It popped into my head, and I was just like, I- I've seen it before. Yeah. yeah. Didn't end up well for Ricky. End up well yeah. for Ricky. But 
But uh, but I love I love the actor who plays um, the recruit. Mm-hmm. I wrote his name down somewhere because Richard he's, Masseur. He's I love him because he was in uh, two of my favorite movies. Mm. He's in Blood In, Blood Out. He is. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen that. It's uh, really a, good. We're, we're going to review that at some point for sure. He plays a lawyer in that movie who uh, who teaches the uh, Mexican mob how to how to fly coke. Oh shit! Had, had traffic coke. Oh cool. So he's he's awesome. Into it. Okay. Yeah, I'll yeah. This he's out. super. I'm into it. He's into it. <laughs> uh, he's also in the thing, the John mm-hmm. Carpenter movie. I haven't seen the thing. And he plays the guy who uh, is in charge of the dog kennel mm. in the thing. So two great movies. Also, what is the plot of the thing? I get that the blob mixed up. Uh, the thing is a, a alien ship. A, gets uncovered, thawed out in uh, the Arctic, uh-huh. and uh, the creature inside has the ability to assimilate all of the traits of any other organism it comes in contact with. Uh-huh. So it's not like the blob, because the blob would just like disintegrate you and eat you, uh-huh. but the thing could m- mimic you. Oh, okay. But it can also mimic a dog, or mimic a bunny rabbit, or an insect, whatever it comes what's in contact What's its resting with. state? Like, what's it look like when it's... Uh, Pretty like a, gross. Like a weird, gross blob. Oh, <laughs> <But> <laughs> okay, with, that's like, where I think I thought maybe they were similar. But with like crab claws and like a and you know butterfly wings because oh. it's basically whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it's come in contact with across the galaxy. Oh, okay. So I it's see. always morphing to look. Yeah. Uh, like like a mix. It's up. Like a mystique you can't jack off to. That's right. It's, <laughs> it's like a Cthulhu type um uh, creature. What's Cthulhu? Like uh, this, like a uh, H.P. Lovecraftian, like uh, idea of a um, a cosmic horror, something uh-huh. that you can't really uh, express I... well. Okay. In um, in illustrations, because it's like the idea when you read H.P. Lovecraft, it, it, like the prose will say something like, "And then he saw something, and it was so uh, profoundly evil and hideous that it drove him mad right away." Ah, uh, yeah. You know. So it's just like it can't be identified, and that's what's so disturbing about it. Yes, and mixed with also just like the repu- like yeah, yeah, reprehensible, yeah. And uh, it's us. The evil is us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I gotta watch the thing. You're, yeah. getting, you're getting a twofer here on Eat, Judge. Just yeah. let me know. Yeah, just let me know where where to find it. Boom, not very very different. Yeah, yeah. Than, uh, risky, so risky business, business. eh? Yeah. Oh yeah, so <laughs> Tom Cruise can become anything he comes in contact with. I mean, so, yeah. He is the thing. Yeah, he yeah. is the thing. He's he the is thing. extra. Most actors are the thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. Leo. It's yeah. a good way to tie it back. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, uh, Tom is, and this was his debut, his breakout performance, and yeah. and this scene is another one of my favorite scenes is him talking to the Prin- uh, the Princeton guy. Yeah. And every time they try to go find a quiet room in the middle of this party. Yeah. There's know? a fourteen year old boy around the corner trying to get his. There's also this, rocks off. There's this really like uh, kind of cool moment in that scene where he's talking to the Dane, where he's kind of just he just knows he's bombing for yeah. a while, uh-huh. and then um, Lana keeps coming in, and I think she asks if like does this couch pull out? Like like <laughs> yeah. and he's like Lana, I like can you please get out of here? And then she like relaxes him with just like eye contact. Yeah, and then he's just like. You know, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. So then he just like starts. To, then he just says, "What the fuck?" And then he he puts his sunglasses on. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, "I guess I'm going to uh, University. University of Illinois." Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. like he basically turns into Spud, like a live action Spuds McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I um, yeah, I love that. I love that scene. That's a really good punchline to the scene. And that was ad libbed, by the way, by Tom Cruise. The, really, the dance scene was all ad libbed by really? Tom Cruise. Yeah. And then that that line, which that cheesy jerk off smile he gives after yeah. he goes, "I guess I'm going to University of Illinois." If you look at it, it looks so ridiculous. But it's so the like the director loved it. It's almost it. like a caricature of his own personality. It, uh, yeah, it, which it, is I think what he. It's is. a good ad lib though. That's yeah. a funny punchline. Uh, well, I'm probably going to go to University of Illinois. State schools. Yeah, it was great, and uh, and that's his saving grace. Yeah, is uh, we learn the message of the film is. Don't give a fuck. Yeah. And put it all out there. And he's exactly he's exactly what Princeton business wants, though. Mm-hmm. Is somebody who is a disrupt- self starter. Yeah. A disruptive young enterpriser. Yeah. 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 He's doing all the things and and it's uh, the irony is that we live in a world where they tell you to follow all the rules, mm-hmm. but you only ever succeed once you break all the rules. Yeah. 
I have a theory. Oh, by the way, I see the War of Art on your bookshelf. I did read it. It's great. You're you're a great man. <laughs> it got me out of my writer's block immediately. Oh man, I'm so happy. Yeah, each um, one teach one, baby. Yeah, baby. I got it on Audible. It's so good. Any comics or writers or uh, creatives, uh, definitely read it. Um, uh, wait, what? I was just about to say something. I'm so well, sorry. Well, we we're following the rules. I have a I have a theory that like that. I don't know how that it would be too many people involved for this to be some kind of like Illuminati conspiracy. But the idea of like telling everyone to follow the rules is the idea that like the people that um, uh, don't have to follow the rules won't and they will disrupt it. And that would be a way to find someone who can change the game, so to speak. So like if you're telling everyone to follow the rules, all the simpletons follow the rules um, all the uh, idiots break the rules in a negative way, like they disrupt society and cause havoc. This is one, and then the people that uh, that uh, like I don't need to fucking follow the rules. I know how to make rules of my own, and then that people follow those rules. It's like it's almost like a way to weed out who is a uh, uh, manipulatable by the powers that be but yeah. then like but they don't uh, actually care if you don't follow the rules if you got something to bring to the table well so this is like where uh this movie is a satire and i want to get back to like i love i love the director the director is great mm-hmm. he also wrote this he wrote a much darker ending to this and i think it's on youtube i think they filmed it too yeah and yeah. He, he wasn't happy with the ending and he's kind of a one-hit wonder in that he made this movie and then kind of stepped away from hollywood mm-hmm. but uh, it, 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 yes, Tom Cruise succeeds in this, mm-hmm. but it, as a satire, that is a negative. It's like the, it's like he's showing us this is a terrible way for the world to be. Yeah, and that uh, Tom Cruise is like a a privileged young white man mm-hmm. who's being told by everything, your job is to break the rules and mm-hmm. exploit human weakness. Mm-hmm. Your your job as a capitalist is to um, to hustle is to hustle and yeah. hustle everyone around you. Like his whole thing is exploiting all of the people around him. Mm-hmm. Like that's how he finally makes it. It's yeah, like turning all of his friends into marks. Yeah, and that's turning true. every woman he knows or all the women in the film into prostitutes. Doesn't isn't there a scene with him and Booger at the very where it's like Booger's like I'm going to Yale and they're <laughs> standing outside of his lawn. Doesn't Booger impart some wisdom to him? Well, Booger says uh, I don't need. To pay for it. I don't need to pay for school. Sex. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And then, but I don't know what that means. It's amb- it's left hanging. It's ambiguous. It's like, is Booger going to go now have sex with a prostitute? Or is, free. is he going to leave? Or is he going to get a freebie? Yeah. It's, I think he, the, I remember thinking in that scene um, that that was almost like, uh, uh, a f- it, it was almost like a splitting off of them as friends. Not because I don't think they get along anymore, but it's like we have different ways we want to do things. And, and I think, uh, or maybe not even as friends, but it's like Booker's almost saying, um, I'm not one of your other friends. I'm like you, but I, like, yeah. I respect myself. <laughs> right. Does that make sense? Yeah. He, and he just kind I'm of not walks gonna, away. I'm not going to work for Microsoft. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to work for Apple. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he, it's very much... Um, um, and it also is the last scene where you see uh, Joel uh, not anxious, but back to his innocence, if that makes sense. I mean, he gets innocent again, technically, when he's like putting all the furniture back together and rakes the leaves. But that's also we know that to be a facade. But when he's with <laughs> Booger in that scene, he's not that pimp, cool hustler guy. He's yeah. back to being the guy that was told just say what the fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's kind of like the last you see of him is that. Yeah. And it, it all works out for him, though. Yeah. Saying what the fuck worked out. Because what, what's the alternative ending? Could you remind me of what it was? So uh, what happens is he he gets accepted into Princeton, mm-hmm. and he's going to go. And Lana, he's still with Lana, <laughs> but uh, they – the alternative ending is kind of like that they end up not it becomes more explicit that like they don't trust each other mm. whereas this there's that um they promise. might become a couple of a, a power couple yeah yeah and i'm like if anything the couple would be like a trump melania couple yes you know like she's, or ivanka 
Yeah. Because Ivanka, Ivanka <laughs> actually was a, a kind of a, like, hit her, had her own hustle going on. But, you know, she never is, she continues to be a sex worker throughout. And that there's no shame in that, but there, like, that, I'm, a hundred, I'm 100% down with, like, legalized sex work. Mm-hmm. But she continues, what I mean is she continues to be sort of, like, an exploitative uh, calculator mm-hmm. in her brain. Yeah. At no, he can never trust her. Yeah. She's only with him as long as he maintains his strength yeah. and his cunning. As oh, long as he's an right. earner. Mm-hmm. So there's no love in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's an absence of it. It's everything's been reduced to business, mm-hmm. which is fine. But it also, but that is so scary and sad. <laughs> dark. Yeah. Yeah. It's a and that's the ending that I think he wa- that he really wanted to. And they're um, like in the park instead of the wait. Yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> location. That's not really to the point. But he was unhappy with like that, and I, I forgot the director's name. But mm-hmm. um, he's he's great, and he was unhappy with the ending of this movie because it, he felt like it was too soft, mm-hmm. and it should have been a little bit darker. Just like in Happy uh, in uh, Pretty Woman, the mm-hmm. ending was supposed to be much darker. Yeah, because in the ending, he just he literally is on her fire escape with flowers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they it's turned like, it into are you a fucking serious. Like this film is called a rom com uh-huh. sometimes. A risky business. I would business. never call it a rom com, and it's a fucking a rom com, a sex rom com. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it just, is funny though. There's some funny fucking scenes there, but they're they're tension cutting. Yeah, like when he's calling Guido, and then he keeps he's like you you a hole, <laughs> Buster <laughs> shit. And yeah, then, he's he's a funny manic anxious person. Absolutely. When Tom Cruise is playing someone who's freaking out, it's really funny. Yeah, because his voice gets really high, and you just like. Well, satire, I think of as like very close to dark. It's dark comedy. Mm-hmm. It's like it's uh, it ends poorly for yeah. everyone, and it's a reflection of our worst qualities. Yeah, isn't it interesting when because Jordan Peele was talking about Get Out, and he did, he that was not the ending he wanted. Yeah, the ending he wanted is the cop. It is a cop that gets there, and he goes to prison for murdering a family of white people. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, which is probably a better commentary. Honestly, yeah. um, I thought well, that was the much better ending if they did that. Because initially, when I saw the cop coming, I, I was like, "Something bad's going to happen yeah. to the black man now." And I was like, more nervous when I saw the cop yeah. coming before I actually saw the cop. It was like a relief ending. It's like the whole audience busted a glee nut when the cop opens the door, <laughs> <laughs> when the TSA guy yeah. opened the door. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, it reminds me of the ending of uh, there's a movie called Let the Right One In, which is one of my favorite. Uh, I've heard, I've been told to watch that horror movies, but it's <laughs> so in it. There's uh, the vampire. I don't care about spoilers on this podcast, mm-hmm. so if you guys want to turn this off, you can. But look, in the you ending of Let, yeah, want, I love it. I w- I'll watch video essays about a movie before I go watch the movie. So who cares? That's what my roommate does. Yeah, I'm my girlfriend's roommate. Excuse me. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah, but in Let the Right One In. The uh, little female, the little vampire. It's like a eunuch boy, girl. Mm. girl. It's a creature um, that looks, presents as a woman. And uh, she constantly has to find new lovers because she's immortal. Mm. And uh, the new lover acts as like a ghoul that, you know, protects her during the daytime and will find new prey for her, new, mm. more blood. What year is this, by uh, the way? This movie came out in like the mid-2000s. Okay. It's great. Yeah, it seemed, yeah. But uh, watch the foreign version because they made an American one that sucks. Is not the way it goes. So, yeah. let the right one in. In it, though, you see this relationship between a vampire and a ghoul, mm-hmm. and uh, there's love in it. But you know that it will end one day mm-hmm. because one of them is going to kill the other one, depending on who becomes weak first. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, I look at this relationship between Tom Cruise and uh, Rebecca De Mornay and their characters, and it's like she's with, she's hitched her wagon to his, st- to him, mm-hmm. based on him rising. As a young Republican businessman, yeah, but the moment that he trips, it's a wrap. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that's so dark to me. I love, yeah, that is that's great. Yeah, yeah, scary, hmm. and a lot of, and everyone's been in a relationship where you start to worry that, or you <laughs> realize that it's like I don't think our reasons for this relationship are the same. Yeah, you know what I mean. We grow apart. Yeah. Like, as comedians or writers or whoever you are, if you're dating someone, and uh, well, first of all, why are you dating a comedian in their late twenties, early thirties for money? Who's <laughs> 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 not already successful? It's like this is a really long con with 
a very small percentage of payoff. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, that's a really man. Yeah, it's it's crazy. What do you guys What do you guys think ultimately? It's still one of my favorite movies yeah. ever. I love it. I think it's a super, a very unique take on a coming of age film, especially for that that era. Um, You're so right about the John Hughes, like the the difference between that and a John Hughes movie. I mean, they're, com- they're completely different. First of all, there is a. I mean, the only thing that's similar is that there's a one scene where the actor dances out of nowhere. But there's like, that. That's about and it. And literally the the, sh- the suburban Chicago setting. That's yeah, the only other thing. Because Ferris Bueller, all Chicago. of them, every every movie he did. Why, why do you think that is? Where he's from? Where John Hughes? Yeah. Oh, but why do you think? Risky Business is the same thing. Oh, I don't know. And, and, and in, in Footloose, Kevin Bacon's character is from Chicago. He's a, a, like a dancing kid from Chicago right. goes to that town. I think Chicago is also the the epicenter of like the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you're trying to market a movie to like just homogenized white people, yeah, it Chicago, yeah. Feels a little city bit folks less... will understand it because it's a Chicago, it's a big city, and but I... it has the Midwest vibe, so it's like homely. And I think yeah. specifically, homely. if you want that that vibe, and you don't want the like the, the the city or the location to be a character within itself, like mm-hmm. if you, you can't film that outside of New York or L.A. or you know, because no. it's, a, it's a completely different film. It just there's yeah. different connotations when you use those cities. So I think it's just like the yeah, the yeah. middle of the road call, um, setting wise. Mm-hmm. Um, you're yeah. close enough to a city, but you don't have it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I thought this was a, a really interesting movie. Cool take on a on a coming of age film, dark undertones. You know, acted well enough. Rebecca De Mornay, I thought was awesome. Pantaleona was was good. Cruz yeah. was solid enough. Mm-hmm. Give me this one. Uh, solid. Well, the parents solid were great. In that. The parents were great. They're so good in that. The parents are great. I already think they've like they've probably never had sex. Except for, the, <laughs> except for the the kid, it was missionary. They sleep yeah, in separate yeah. beds in the yeah, same they, room. They're like a separate bed sleeping couple. Yeah, I don't know if they literally sure. had separate beds. I don't know if that's too out of date for them to have separate beds, but they seemed like it. I'm okay with separate beds. You're okay with separate beds. Love a separate bed. Well, I'd be okay with it. Okay, but like you know, the context of them having separate beds yeah. is different, though. <laughs> yeah, I just like the idea of being able to sleep sleep alone and not having anybody take my sheets. Oh, take your sheets. I yeah. feel that. I feel yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm big on the. There snuggles. should be the. There's the coupling bed and then two separate beds. Oh, so there's three beds total. Sure. That's so many beds That's in a one bed. Very elaborate setup. Yeah. Well, one day I'm going to live off the lake. That's a. And okay. that's that's the dream. That would be awesome. Wait, yeah. this lake, the same lake we're talking about. That's right, in Lake Michigan. Yeah. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Capitalism's going to work out for me, guys. Yeah. You heard it here. <laughs> Pray <yeah>. judge. <laughs> Uh, my final thought on this movie is that it is a great um, boy loses his virginity story, mm-hmm. and it is not a rom com. Is it, it his virginity? We never find out. He he's uh, he's a timid man. Oh, yeah, it's, definitely, it's, he definitely hasn't had sex before then. But he fucks the shit out of her at the beginning up top. That's right, he does. Yeah, and uh, because she's a stranger, <laughs> he opens strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He yeah. actually dated for a little bit. Him and yeah, really in real life. Yep. Wow. On the yeah. set. And she was dating Harry Dean Stanton directly before him. And if you don't know who Harry Dean Stanton is, Google that image. And <laughs> you might find out who Harry Dean – you know who he is. You just don't know the name as well. He's Harry a great Dean actor. Stanton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I remember he, her also in Three Musketeers. She's in Three Musketeers. Oh, man. Well, I remember her from Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Yeah. I think that's my first – I don't think I've seen that. Ten years later. Yeah. Different, mil- different film. But – Good. But I can see her being um, playing a villain, playing a thriller. She like, is a lizard person. You know yeah. who she is? She's in the beginning of Wedding Crashers. She's one of the people getting divorced in that mediator scene where well, she's like, Dwight. you shut your mouth when, I'm, when you're talking to me. That's and, right. Yeah. With, with Dwight Yoakam. I love that scene. Yeah, it's such a great <laughs> scene. <laughs> Go comatose for me, baby. You have crab cakes? <laughs> yeah. Who's not having a good time eating crab cakes? I love them. They're phenomenal. I'm giving this one uh, four four sunglasses at night. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's that's nice. Four Corey Hart's. <laughs> that's nice. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, uh, four Corey Hart's. Three Rick Springfields. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna give this movie a uh, uh, six uh, penny loafers, no socks, one varsity jacket, and a tab. <laughs> four Doc Siders, seventeen men at work. Yeah. <laughs> I just Im- imagine I said another good euphemism. <laughs> there it is. Good. Well, uh, hey, everybody, um, this has been uh, Eat, Pray, Judge. Uh, Harrison, as our guest, where can we find you? 
Um, you can find me. Uh, I do shows all over the city, uh, but uh, I'm uh, every Thursday and Friday, or most Thursdays and Fridays, I'm at a place called Brick Spot Comedy. It's a it's a comedy room slash club in the back of a restaurant called V Spots on St. Mark's in the East Village. And uh, please listen to our podcast. Me and Jeff McBride uh, host a podcast called Let's Talk About Sets. If you're into stand-up comedy, we break down the science and craft of stand-up. It's really fun. We'll have Gabe on uh, very soon, actually. This should be a really fun thing to talk to him about. Um, yeah, and uh, also just uh, you know, love each other and don't use people to turn into brothels you know or to like to run a brothel <laughs> never give a prostitute your home address yeah, it's literally why they invented motels yeah but if it's <laughs> what's her name again rebecca de mornay de mornay yeah I, i'll give you a pass that's okay she's especially in the 80s that's that would that'd be reasonable so. yeah i get it yeah and, uh, you know, I'm Gabe Pacheco, and you can find us, Eat, Pray, Judge, on all the media platforms. But one thing that we would really love and appreciate is uh, five-star ratings and reviews. Uh, reviews will warm our hearts, and we don't have a Patreon yet, but if you do want to donate some money to the cause, I promise you I'll share half of this with Sammy. You can Venmo me at gabriel Pacheco. <laughs> can't even tell whether that's a joke anymore or not. <laughs> All right, but uh, you'll see you'll see us next week, uh, or hear us next week with another movie. Um, enjoy. Also, guys, comment, 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 and leave and leave movies you want to see. Share the podcast. We would love. Tell it, your yes. friends. Oh, be yeah. like, I'm listening to this podcast. I love it. You'll love it. I'll be promoting this podcast uh, <laughs> on on the podcast handle for our Twitter and Instagram because we want to spread the love. Um, so uh, right back. Yeah, just you. fucking share podcasts. They're awesome. Yeah, come on. It's <laughs> if you have... work during the day, which you definitely do. Just yeah, fucking share podcasts. <laughs> you don't have time to listen to your friends talk anymore. So in, engage in some parasocial, uh, yeah. you know, voyeurism. Yeah, and and hang out with us. Yeah. We're your new friends. We God are your new friends. <laughs> Give us money and share stuff. Yeah. Share it for us. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah. Venmo us, too. Harrison-tweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>